You have to win and be sexy. What can I tell you? <laughs> to the outside. And then to the inside. Touchdown, Swift. Ham is in the backfield. Blitz coming. Pressure put on. Caught into the end zone for the touchdown. TJ Hawkinson. What a drive. There are a lot of quotes from that montage that could be taken out of context, and I can't wait to do that with my friends here. Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, John Daigle from 4 for 4 in Spurts will offer all of his prop and betting insights for week two of the NFL season, which kicked off last night on Thursday night football as the Philadelphia Eagles knocked off the Vikings 34 to 28 folks. We did get a backdoor cover. If you back the Vikings at plus six and a half or plus seven, you cashed. This game did go over the 49 after a rather slow start and certainly a lot of props hit in terms of Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift and Devontae Smith. Uh, maybe he didn't hit for uh, some of your other favorite star players. But what was interesting to me, Joe, about this game as we jump right on in here is that when we look specifically at the Eagles running game, which seemed to be the main storyline here, DeAndre Swift in week one, one carry, three yards. But last night, 28 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Can we stop this whole narrative about the whole crowded backfield thing when it comes to the Eagles? They always have a bell cow back who's always <laughs> threatening to go 100 yards. Why? Because that offensive line is elite, and the play calling and play design, they're elite too. Uh, yeah, after hearing Alan Kirk there, it uh, reminded me of a tweet I saw last night from Micah Adams. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit have the chemistry of a newly married couple who woke up in the morning after eloping, both wondering what the hell happened. Like, it's, <laughs> they both don't want to be there. It is, it's annoying to me. It's really annoying as, as a viewer, as a better that was excited about that matchup. And I thought it was a pretty good one that we ended up getting last night uh, that they're sitting there and they don't really want to be there, but, but they're there because of all the money that Amazon gave them. Anyways, um, I disagree a little bit on the Eagles backfield because yes, it is crowded, but we, uh, until like an hour or so before the game, when they announced Swift as a starter, we still didn't know. I mean, I know a lot of really sharp people in the fantasy community that were like, yeah, I'd like to know who the starter is. If I, if I did, I would play them. I would do all sorts of prop bets. But the thing is, I kind of think it might be Penny. Or I kind of think there's going to be mm -hmm. Boston Scott. And Scott got injured in that game, which was part of the reason that Swift got, got, uh, was the Val Cow guy. But like, had I known, I would have also played Swift because I sat Swift like an idiot. I was like... I told my son with his team, I'm like, I don't know what you do there. Maybe it's going to be him. Maybe not. It's a great matchup, but he ends up getting uh, getting all the work, 175 yards and a score. Hurt scored a few times. I mean, if, if you're into any time touchdowns, we talked about it yesterday. It's going to probably be a high-scoring affair, and uh, we were right on that. Like, if you just played a bunch of those, you hit on them all, except for Justin Jefferson. Sorry, <laughs> you almost hit that one. I was going to text you guys in the group chat, did not have DeAndre Swift on the bingo card. I mean, the guy went off, and that is one prop I was not on, so I missed out on that. But, 
Hey, hats off to Joe. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, anytime touchdown, plus 255. Cash money. Yeah. That was nice. That was good. It was, good. It was a really good night. Over Cousins went over on the passing touchdowns, 364, but it's primetime Kirk, right? It, it wasn't his fault, but, like, I mean, one of my big takeaways last night, I know they're sitting 2-0 and and the Vikings are 0-2 and people are going to trash the Vikings. That's fine. We can get to that with the one, another one-score game. But when you look at the final score, I've not been impressed with the Eagles through two weeks, guys. Not right now. And they're dealing with a lot, a lot in the secondary. Like, I, I have my concerns. When I, I'm talking about Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're not going to be in the hunt, have one of the better records. They will. But I, I definitely have some concerns there. I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. It just didn't seem smooth like we saw down the stretch or in the Super Bowl. It just seemed like something's off, and that did worry me as someone who's much higher on the Eagles uh, than you guys. But I it, I do feel like it's something they will be able to get together, but it just, doesn't it seem like something's just a little bit off from what you saw last night? I think we're dealing with new coordinators. I think that's largely what yep. we're dealing with here. I mean, Shane Steichen had been there for a couple of years, worked with Jalen Hurts for a couple of years. And the fact that they were doing such unusual things last year, like running out of spread formations and things like that. I think that's something where now that we have some film on them and all the unusual wrinkles from a season ago are now exposed. I think that's something where defenses can game plan a good bit better. I mean, look, this, this Vikings defense, I mean, other than Daniil Hunter, who did cash by the way, thank you. Uh, that's one of those deals where I go, look, this is not a, a highly touted group. And they still largely knew what they were trying to do, uh, the Eagles were, in terms of their passing attack. It's just that the running game was swift in that offensive line. It was just too good and too unstoppable for them to really do anything about it. So I look at that and mm -hmm. say, yeah, the Vikings defense did show me some good things, but it's not a unit overall that I respect. And then, Aaron, to your point about uh, Kirk Cousins and company, well, the Vikings offense was just fine. Like, I, I don't see, yeah. like, too many problems with them. It's just that all those turnovers in the early going really did them in, and they were never ex – exactly. Like, those turnovers were such to where they were never really in this contest. Six fumbles this season, most by any team in two games in the last 20 years. I mean, you don't need to tell Jeez. the players, but you got to protect the football. Got to protect <laughs> the football. It's a game of inches here. What are we doing? Nice. So Viking, Vikings Bucks, that upset was clearly a turnover game. Last night, yeah, all those turnovers happened early. I don't know. Do you view I don't view it as a turnover game. I thought that the Eagles were gonna win that the whole time, even if you took a couple of those away. It, it's not True. like the Eagles were casting in yeah. early. It was a three nothing game after the first quarter. It was a beautiful teaser leg. Beautiful teaser yeah. leg the whole time. Aaron, I want to go back to you here because one point that you've made about the Vikings in general, which, which matters a great deal in terms of looking at uh, you know, the standings in the NFC, is this idea that, okay, the Vikings won 13 games a season ago. Yes, they're due for regression, but are they going to regress so much to the point where they're going to have a losing record or whatever? So one of the things I did during the game was I looked up, okay, are there instances of this? And as it turns out, the answer is yes. Back in 2021, the Las Vegas Raiders – had a point differential of minus 65. They were even in worse position than the Vikings were last year. Minus 65 in point differential. They finished 10 and 7 and made the playoffs and were in it against the Bengals in the playoffs. Following year, they went 6 and 11, lost four more games. And there are other examples of free falls to where what the Vikings are enduring right now, there is a possibility there. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. They've got the Chargers, then it's at Carolina, then the Chiefs, then the Bears, the Niners, the Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Chicago again. And then you've got a late bye week 13. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. After the bye, you've got the Raiders, Bengals, Lions, Packers again, and Lions. So, I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. I still think they can win like 10 games and be in contention for the division. Oh, I don't. I'm very worried about it. I I think next week is a loss. They're not going to be able to stop Herbert and company. We expect, I don't know if Eckler's playing this weekend, but you would think he's going to be back by next weekend. Winnable game is week four at Carolina, but that's on the road. Maybe Bryce Young starts to improve and he has his receivers back. Uh, week five, Kansas City. That's a, another scheduled loss. There, there's no way they're going to stop Pat Mahomes. Like they're, he's probably going to put up 40-plus. Um, week six, another game they could win, but it's a road game at the Bears. Then it's the Niners. I'm just saying that I wouldn't lock in Carolina-Chicago as wins, and it could be week seven playing the Niners, and they could they could be 0-7, 1-6 easily. Oh, wow. Certainly I would be very surprised if they fell off a cliff They can't like stop that. anybody. They can't stop anybody. Right. They have, there's no chance. Yet they covered last night yeah. against one of the best teams in the NFC. They did not. It was a push. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. No, it depends yeah. on yeah. the number. It depends well, you when it. you bet it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. It's uh, going to be rough. Yeah. Do, do you want to go ahead and look ahead to uh, Sunday's games and go ahead and jump right on in here? Because uh, when we're talking about the NFC standings, certainly the Eagles will be jockeying for a position for uh, the best seed with the Detroit Lions, who are hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Lions are four-and-a-half-point favorites here. The total is 47. And, Joe, when I'm analyzing this game, the side of the ball that I'm focusing on that I think matters uh, a good bit more, Seahawks offense, Lions defense. Geno Smith's best game last year was against Detroit. So maybe that familiarity could help him here. But one of the reasons why it was his best game was because Detroit's pass defense was abysmal. So now the question is, okay, with all the changes they made in the offseason, is it actually better? Well, we don't really know that, do we? Because all the advanced metrics are a little contingent upon the Chiefs receivers from a week ago being terrible, just Awful. Kadarius Toney obviously leading the way, but Sky Moore wasn't that great either. So it is a little tricky to figure out if this Lions defense has improved enough to where they can at least contain Geno Smith. And yeah, I get the Seahawks offensive line is banged up, but I feel like that means Smith will keep his passing game shorter and largely effective. And so Tyler Lockett may have a, a pretty good game. Will Disley may have a pretty good game. So they may, so there may be some overs there to look into. But ultimately, I think the market agrees with me that the Seahawks are not as bad as they looked in week one against the Rams. The number has moved in this direction, and I still feel like the Seahawks can cover the four and a half. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm wavering on this one. I'll be honest. Initial thoughts this week was, I like Seattle a lot, and I really liked it at six, but now at four and a half, is, it's obviously not the right time to come in, and I don't know that you're going to come back and get that number. Um, 
I think we could also make a case that we don't know as much about Seattle as we thought we did with all the injuries that they were dealing with at impactful positions last week in the secondary and on the offensive line. Now, it looks like the secondary is going to be just fine, and you're going to need it. It's golf indoors, and uh, they put up a ton of points uh, last year at home. So I, I have no reason to believe that that's going to stop. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be uh, pretty fascinating. But uh, big return for Jamal Adams at Witherspoon. The offensive line is beat up, and that Lions front can put some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Also, the Geno question. I think it's fair that we don't know which Geno Smith is going to show up from Sunday to Sunday. Just last season, we saw the best of them, and at times we saw the worst of Geno Smith. When, when I saw them sign Jason Peters, I, I mean, I, years ago he was done. Years ago. So I can't believe what version that they're going to get if he sees the field at all for Seattle. If forced to make a play, I would absolutely take the points in this spot. This is when you want to bet on Pete Carroll after, after a loss at home. I'm fine uh, taking the points there. And it wouldn't surprise me if we have some kind of a score similar, not to what we saw last year. That was a 48 to 45 game, but maybe something like last night. Wow. Another explosive game. I thought the, the Lions had a nice balance in week one. Like their offense wasn't as explosive as it can be, and maybe that'll come along. I think this atmosphere in Detroit is going to be electric. Um, the Seattle yeah. team has to travel very far, so that concerns me. And their offense just looked off. I'm with you. What version of Geno Smith are we going to get? There are a lot of question marks. Is this a bounce back spot? Will they be able to get? Will Pete Carroll be able to get the most out of his team? And maybe we don't need to worry about Geno Smith. But I'm still going to stand by the Lions. I already bet them on the spread. I like it obviously even more. <laughs> Now that the numbers come down to four and a half. So I think in the, in the passing game, the Seahawks left a lot on the table. And that is definitely something that, you know, I think as betters, they're expecting more out of Geno Smith. I saw his prop go from 239 and a half up to 245 and a half, which I was like, wow, guess folks are uh, thinking Geno's going to bounce back. Well, certainly the conditions are such to where you're indoors. If, say, the Lions are scoring quickly, then that's you know more drives, more possessions, things like that. So I think that move makes a lot of sense. It'll be curious, too, Joe, when it comes to Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. Moved, around mm -hmm. him, moved him around a lot in week one. And I don't know if I trust the other pass rushers, but I trust him. And especially against a beaten-up offensive line, I look at this and go, okay, how will everyone else perform if and when Hutchinson is double-teamed? This is big. After last week's loss for Seattle, we could be sitting here on Monday and saying the Seahawks are 0-2, a couple winnable games coming up. But with those winnable games, Carolina, New York Giants, you know, if you steal this one, then all of a sudden you can go from 0-1 to 3-1. Exactly. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we take a look at some of the marquee games on the AFC slate, beginning with the Chiefs and the Jaguars right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by Bet.